Seven minutes it is before 8 p.m. You tuned in to Metro FM Talk. It's our wrap of the top business stories at the start of this new week. And Snesipa Manintra joins me uh, to take a look at some of these stories. And Snesipa, I want us to go to the aviation sector now. ComAir saying that uh, they've already uh, started to open up uh, ticket bookings and uh, they are still in a business rescue process. And they were brought before the Labour Court, uh, and I guess maybe before we take a look at this particular story, why were they hauled before the Labour Court by NUMSA? Oh, quite simple. So the thing is the problem, and okay, so the the main issue with uh, when you're doing a business rescue is that it allows you to unfairly um, skip through the process. So. Because Comrade was in business rescue, as you know, they instead they commenced um, Section 189 uh, labor relations. Um, the thing is that wanted um, they wanted uh, NIMSA felt that procedurally the process for Section 189 was not in accordance with the Labor Relations Act, and they requested that uh, the, the 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 process be withdrawn and a fresh notice issued. And yeah, um, so basically they wanted to, and like they wanted to, because as part of the business rescue, one of the things, and it's, it pretty much is also a copy and paste of what's going on at there at our national airline SAA, because they also have the same issues with the unions, oh, is oh. that they don't want to be bound. Because the thing is that within a business rescue process, and look at where our, our greater economy is. Um, Especially when it comes to labor, and this is for me. By the way, please, no one can no one see me. I'm just going to say it's very predatory how it's done, especially when it comes to labor. It's sort of a fear mongering exercise that happens, and you know. How uh, do they do it? T- tell us. You can't say by it's predatory. And no, it's, it's a, a fear mongering. Think about it. Think and about then it. you don't so tell us how. how. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> well, I'm not saying this is what happened. I'm giving you an example. Just we want it. Please let no one yeah, swim. Let us in. Let us in. Let like, us in. There's no one swim. No one swim. No because hey, I don't want to say this. I'm being very, very specific. They bring you into a room. They say, um, "You are. We're going to make you reapply for your job, and we're going to pay you 25% less. Take it or leave it." Mm. Because we're under business rescue, we're not going to be able to pay, um, if you take us to CCMA to get your um, uh, retrenchment packages, you know how the retrenchment packages, we can't afford to pay yeah. it, so we're going to give you sent to the rand anyway. So it literally is quite a very brutal exercise. So it's basically a take on user process. The problem with that is that if you have a labor market which is uh, employee absorbing, this is really isn't really a problem. But if you're in a situation where we are in South Africa where you've got sure, very high sure. unemployment, so it, that's how it's usually done. So it's a fear-mongering exercise. Basically, we're going to make you... Because remember, Section 189 means that you're going to consult with labor and everyone has to reapply for their position. Mm, but that doesn't so sound like a consultation, it, eh? It's a consultation. It's actually not a consultation. I've or let me say, it doesn't sound like dialogue, right? Because there's always this It's not dialogue. That, it's just you know? the thing is that mm. one of the things we need to be grateful for, Labor Relations Act forces people to go through a process. But if a company has decided to retrench, they already know the number. They know exactly who they're going to retrench. Management knows exactly who they're going to retrench. They just want they literally just uh, going through the process so to not get sued. That is, it's literally going through the schematics. And that's also one of the issues is, is that 
And we also know that because of budget cuts, sidebar, Otito, and so the CCMA no longer mm. is an avenue. And I, I remember when I tweeted, at, mm. when we tweeted about this last week, we were talking mm. about this. We were saying Ish. that the damage done in the CCMA in 2020 it's going to take decades to recover from. Right. And I don't think people understand. I, 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 you, you know, here, here's the irony, Here's the irony in this entire situation, right? I 100% agree with you, LRA, the BCEA, progressive labor legislation, right? One of the people who was very instrumental as a young man in steering that on was the Ministry of Finance, you know, the, the current Minister of Finance, right? And now he finds himself in the same situation now where, you know, he's part of a process of defunding the self-same institutions. And, and, and that's what I'm saying is a very cruel irony in this entire No, uh, no, no, it's not cruel right? irony. It's, remember, sometimes people grow up long enough for you to see them as villains. The truth be told is he is comfy from his farm in Limpopo where he's cooking with lots of garlic. But... He, the thing is that the choice is when people talk budget cuts, that's why one of the reasons why I actually got so upset at the whole SAA funding situation was that when people think budget cuts and they looked and they look at the line items that were cut, the CCMA is one of them. In mm. a year where they are needed the most and you take this decision and you take this decision mm. and we don't think about even the fact that they defund, they defunded educational infrastructure. They are kids mm. dying from falling in toilets. See that college like, like, I can't even... One of the biggest I, I, cuts, you know, one of the biggest like, cuts I was like, I, was like, I, was, I looked at that. I literally looked at everything grind. they were cutting. I, mean, I, 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 I can't, I, I can't, I can't because the thing is that I, I refuse to even give him <sighs> an, an, an inch of any empathy or understanding or any engagement. When pe- mm-hmm. I'm a big so believer in that. My sense of song, my sense of song. Maskens, let's segment about, um, you know, the dawn from Ahubas Cliff. Because, Maskens, let, let's not do that. Uh, I think uh, all of us have our own frustrations, so let's, let, let's not do that. Um, but, but just on the score, as we close on the Kulula thing, um, I mean, I'm quite interested in sort of what this is going to mean with their bookings opening up again. Um, yeah, the, the business rescue process is happening, and it seems like they, they're also going to continue to generate some revenue from the aviation and non-aviation businesses. Um, what bearing, if any, is that going to have on the business rescue process? I remember, uh, the thing is, remember, they're still within business rescue process, so the bookings are a way of generating cash flow, because they've, sure. had, they've been having cash flow generated, the, haven't come into the business since March. So for them, it's generating cash flow. Um, because people are afraid of getting fired, there's not going to be any strike action. So on Lunsa must forget about because it's just Jenny. I don't see it happening. I don't see them having enough support within to be able to successfully execute it. So the bookings are open. I'm happy because uh, flights are fair. Like, yo, I saw the prices they were charging. Two million, two million, two million people. Our flight is Eastern Cape. Two million. I saw two million and I'm supposed to go home. So, um, um, Kube, man. Kube. Uh, I know. My mom, like, my mom's a genuinely afraid of me and road accidents, and that's why I actually fly. <laughs> yeah. Why? So, Stacey, uh, talking, I guess, about, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the next while, yeah, you touched on some of the bailouts there to SAA, the aviation issue. We know another entity that certainly has a massive debt albatross is our national utility, ESCON. And uh, we saw uh, some, uh, I guess, key parts of the discussion documents leading up to the National General Council of the Governing Party, the ANC. And one of those suggesting that um, we might have to dip into the 
compensation fund and the unemployment insurance fund, um, and I guess maybe as a precursor to going to the GEPF and uh, some of those other funds that are managed by the PIC, in order to rescue ESCOM. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? Stronger, unless for me you're throwing good money off the bat, I already feel that um, pension funds should fund ESCOM, and they do in the form of the fact that the PIC is the largest buyer of ESCOM funds. They earn about just over half last time I checked. I stand under correction on that number. So the idea that pension funds don't fund ESCOM already is true and already unfold. Secondly, the issues within ESCOM have yet to be resolved. So what are you funding and where are we? Because the truth be told is that, yes, some of the power stations have come online, but there's still significant work to clear out the rot within ESCOM for you to, as an investor, because remember, the, the, it's, the, it's not a bailout. The UIF or the GEPF will be coming in as an investor. They would need to make sure that it's gone past the due diligence. Currently, their debt is ranked as junk. They're overgeared. And again, this is where e-government geared to self-professing own, own goals. What about the debt situation at the moment? Unless that gets resolved, because that is a revenue problem, unless you've got, because it's how many tens of billions? how many tens of billions that are owed, and unless you solve that, because ESCOM's funding gap, if you look at where ESCOM's funding, it's in the Muni. It's literally in the Muni. And unless you get a situation where the Muni's are servicing their ESCOM liability, ESCOM is collecting all their revenue. ESCOM has cleared their operational inefficiencies. The power stations have gone. Then you, as an investor, you can be comfortable, because for me, you can't just say, let my stack in because that's the thing without any necessary changes. And that's for me. Is, and government needs to come, local government needs to come to the party. Let us not, and the thing is that I, yeah, I honestly, yeah. and firstly, like I always say, my mom's pension is a GEPF. I can't be advocating money. I can't, I really can't. Because you, you have to ask yourself, and the, the, the truth be told is that if you speak to GEPF members, the GEPF has always said that they will, it has to go through due diligence. It has mm. always been external agencies, and I mean, they, the ruling party said, please, let's take the money from here. But the guys at the GFP, the trustees, have always maintained a due diligence will need to be passed. I'm just telling you what that due diligence outcome will say, because no investor will put in an equity injection. Like I said, the PIC investment is a debt in investment. No mm. investor is going to put an equity injection into ESCOM without expectation of return. It is not a bailout, it is an investment. And it needs to be treated with that same level of respect. Mm, mm, mm. Sesibo, just the last one here. Um, I want us to take a look at what has happened at NASPAS. Remember, you know, they spun off process, uh, hoping, I guess, to diversify uh, their access to uh, European investors and uh, potentially, I guess, yeah, something to do with Tencent and trying to narrow the um, gap between their net asset value and their share price. What's, what's happening now? I mean, um, if you look at all of the objectives that they went into the Euronext with, um, do you get a sense that in, I guess, the, the first 18 months or so that uh, they have gone some uh, uh, somewhere to achieve uh, some progress towards those aims and objectives that they have? Yeah, think about it. Both Nasdaq and Proces are on double-digit growth year to date. So from a share price, they're doing well. But let's look at Proces because Proces released results. Proces is not profitable. So I have the opportunity of going through the results. The only thing that makes money is Tencent. Everything else is under operational losses. So they, 
they announced a couple of weeks ago, or a couple of weeks ago, it could be a month, I'm not sure if it's at the timeline, that they're going to be enacting a share buyback program. But again, a share buyback program when your 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 losses are not are not closing in. So just to give you an understanding of how big the losses are, the revenue is up literally because the year-to-date revenue. If you literally do a comparison between this year and this time last year, the revenue is up by over uh, a billion, by a billion. However, the losses have remained around the same which gives you indication that the losses have actually gotten bigger, mm. have actually gotten bigger. So even if you look, so even if you look at, um, so even if we look at the revenue, uh, we, we look at where the revenue comes from. Literally, uh, there's a social internet platform, 8 billion, 10 cents, 7.8 of that. So they tried with the share buyback to, you know, try to, uh, um, try to narrow um, to, to also pick up share price, but again, again, for me, they've got a problem most people want to have, which is they've got this one asset that dwarfs everything else, but they need to search for other growth because this. Uh, I've always said Nasdaq and process is overvalued. I still say I said it was overvalued five years ago. I still maintain. I still maintain mm-hmm. because. If you look at just fundamentals, it just doesn't, it's not in line. And that's because they've got this one app that's done amazingly well. However, the others are not showing, and they should be looking for new growth opportunities. They tried it by trying to buy the delivery business, but that, of course, um, transactions didn't get executed. And now they're like, let's do share buybacks, which is great for shareholders in the short term. But it also, share buybacks are great for shareholders in the short term because it's a return of capital. And it does do a way of increasing the share price. But, but, but is it also a sign, Snesipo, that, you know, they don't have any other place where they can put that cash? Because sometimes... Yeah. Yeah, that's a thing, which is a problem. Which is a problem in itself. Because when a company, when management tells you that there's no growth, that they're doing a buyback, there are no other growth possibilities, it means that management is incompetent because... Your job is to search for growth opportunities. If you're not doing that uh, and you're just returning I capital, it's great for the short term because economics tells us, finance tells us it's great in the short term. But in the long term, for me, it just shows that they're trying to say in the next five years and above, we don't see any other growth prospects past 10 cents. We don't have uh, any other growth. Also, they're trying to say we know, don't have growth prospects. Uh, yeah, good, so regardless of the commitment the they made, sense, regardless right? of the commitment they made at the investment conference last week, but yeah. Look, I mean, I, I, as I was saying, I think it's, it's also uh, a sign, not only just for them, but uh, other corporates as well, at a time where there's growing debates around this idea of share buybacks, generous dividend payouts, uh, when you don't know what to do with that capital, at a time when you should ideally be reinvesting that money, and uh, I guess question marks around some of the management teams that are making some of those decisions. But Snesipo, we're going to have to leave it there, so I'm always a pleasure catching up with you, and uh, uh, certainly do have a great week from here onwards. Okay, shut up. Snesipo Malindra is an independent market commentator, analyst, and CA joining us uh, for our business wrap at the start of this new week. We're going to take a quick break now. When we come back, it's our Shop Stewards Corner, and uh, we take a look at uh, domestic workers, the minimum wage, and of course, that landmark constitutional uh, judgment, uh, which effectively and retrospectively um, has made sure that domestic workers can access uh, all of the other occupational health and safety benefits that accrue to other workers 
in the South African economy. Myrtle Witboy is going to be joining me in the next few minutes or so. She's the General Secretary of the South African Domestic Service and Allied Workers Union for our Shop Stewards Corner. Stay tuned.